Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. It is time for parenting. Joanna Fortune joins us uh, once again. Here's your first question. My son, who's eight, needs help with managing anxiety. He has an underlying medical issue that may be contributing. Is he too young for CBT? I mean... Look, at you will get people who practice CBT. It's a different um, experience for children than it would be for adults. But I guess even just getting behind that question, I'm curious, you know, about this managing anxiety piece that if it's, if you think it's connected to a medical issue, what I'm wondering is, is his medical issue something that brings him to a hospital environment for treatment or checkups? Because I wonder, could you ask his consultant or whoever is treating him about a referral to the hospital play specialist? Because mm. they do have play specialists in hospitals who are, you know, using play techniques, but within the specific context of hospital treatment and medical conditions, and they could specifically work with him on this. So that is worth exploring. Now, if it's a kind of diagnosed condition that you're managing at home and you would rarely have contact with a hospital, I would always suggest with children this age an approach that looks at what is underpinning the anxiety like you're saying here, it might be linked to a underlying medical condition. Do you know what? It might not or yeah. it might be in part and something else. And a, a play based therapist or a play based therapy who will also, you know, likely blend in what I'd call not CBT, but some anxiety symptom management, you know, like breathing and mindfulness and relaxation techniques within the context of that treatment, that that could be something that would work for him at this age, because it wouldn't be saying Let's take the anxiety and just look at the anxiety. It would be a space where he can explore himself at his pace through the medium of play, what might be going on around it. Because, you know, let's stay curious about that as well. So Mm. that would be my my personal recommendation would be something that's a bit more creative and play based for his age. Yeah. Do eight-year-olds go for CBT anyway for cognitive I mean, behavioural therapy? Look at sometimes, yes. I, I, you know, it's not something I practice myself. Mm. You know, um, so and it can be quite difficult to get someone who does practice with children. But I think you know you're you're looking at the overt symptom and managing the overt symptom, and there's always a value in doing that. But with young children, unless you're absolutely certain what is going on and if this symptom management is going to alleviate it fully, you know, it, the underlying issue, if untouched, generally might find it's another way out. Mm, You know, it'll give you a new symptom. So I'm always advocating, you know, let's look at how overt behaviour, and it's not just with children, though children use behaviour to express a lot that they can't otherwise articulate it. A lot of grown-ups do that too. Mm -hmm. I just want to put that out there as (laughs) well. That overt behaviour is underpinned by a physical and emotional state. And if we can understand what's underpinning it, the symptom may work itself out by creating that that meaning-making experience for what's underneath it. Yeah. My two-year-old is... <laughs> sorry for laughing, but when they when they always start with somebody's wonderful, you know there's going to be a uh-oh. Uh, my two-year-old is cared for by a wonderful childminder. Unfortunately, she has overheard the F word from older kids while there. My husband and I uh, just don't use this language. And with COVID, we simply have such a limited social circle. It has been very easy to identify the source. My child mother is just as disappointed and recognises our concern and doesn't want other little kids to pick up on it as well. 
My daughter was randomly saying it at the start, but does have an idea of when it is used a little. She screamed it out coming out of a shop and she did not want to leave. For example, our child mother has kindly spoken to the older kids and with less interaction there, it has improved and not, but not disappeared. We had ignored it and not responded when initially she was saying it very frequently. As these initiatives have been in place and the word comes up less frequently, I don't know what to do now. Should I point out it is a word we don't like? How do I phrase it to a two-year-old? Mm. <laughs> we'll just manage your expectations. I think, you know, so many toddlers do this. First of all, I, I love the investigation part of this that I've identified the source and gone <laughs> to the source and addressed it, this you know, is, which is yeah. great. You should also, be a contact tracer. I, this I'm way, just yeah. like, that's amazing because often the source is, you know, maybe somebody at home or you say something and little ears go, well, I like the sound of that. Yeah, just, and yeah. what they like is the emotional resonance and the strong expression that those words tend to come with and at this age toddlers are exploring language you know mm. it's what they do it's what we want them to do and that includes testing out new words new sounds shapes how it feels in their mouth what it elicits from other people and they like to play with how because they're deepening their understanding of language and also, I want to say, can also use this, you know, I love this about leaving the shop. So it's a word, uh-huh, but there's context to this word mm. because when they use it appropriately, there can be an inadvertent laugh because it's, you know, you laugh and go, yes. oh my gosh, I yeah. shouldn't have laughed. But they may have heard a swear word expressed with a level of animation that made it quite exciting and interesting. Mm. You know, it tends not to be a word we use very calmly. Yes. You know, yeah. it tends to be something that's said with a big noise or a big expression with it. And they're like, well, that's that's fun. Mm. So they're not swearing at us. They're playing with language just to kind of, you know, mm. you're, you're not raising some kind of stereotypical sailor type here that's going to be <laughs> yes. swearing all the time. You know, she no offense is, to sailors, but not at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. She is, too, as I said, stereotype. Uh, mm. She is too young to understand the why. So if you're going to sit down and say to her, we don't use this word because of she's two. Mm. OK, yeah. so. You, she won't know why it's not okay to say it, but you can say it's not okay. So you can say no and using again an expressive face and, you know, a nice kind of just move your finger a little that it's also demonstrating no, no, no. Okay, so no, that's not a nice word. And your your expression has to be congruent with what it is, a shake of the head and then very quickly redirect. And your yeah. redirection could be, I remember working with um, a little guy who did did, you know, an impressive range of swearing, okay? Um, it was creative, it was broad, it was, you know, well yeah. entrenched. And, you know, in the end, I just said, those words hurt my ears. I wonder, could we use different words instead? And we used words like fudge, fudge brownie sometimes, and sugar. And we came up with all kinds of alternative well, quite words. Quite the potty mouth there. Oh, you there was were quite a few. Yes. There was quite a few. But actually, it was about playing with the language because when I presented these other words, that became funnier. It was funnier to use the word fudge in the middle of a sentence mm. when it didn't belong there. And we just played with it. Now, he was older than this, but you can offer a kind of playful sound back and model it as an alternative and kind of be smiling and animated with mm. that where you're reinforcing this word is OK, but not that other word. But this word is OK. But quickly redirect her. She's only two. The strategy generally is if they're just swearing without kind of specific meaning and using it randomly, ignoring it is best. Yes. And it yeah. tends to, you know, work its way out, especially if I'm not continually hearing it and it's not reinforced for me. So I think you're doing the right things. Keep doing it. And you do want to put in that kind of gentle yet firm, no, with congruent expression, redirect. That's the best thing if she's only two. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, 
I suppose that happens for a lot of kids. Oh, well, yeah. Actually, one of my kids went through a phase of similar age. Uh, went through a phase of uh, F-sake. Uh, um, he used to line up dinky cars in the back of the chair. <laughs> and then every time they'd fall off, he'd go, F-sake. And uh, he kept saying it. And we, we, we was ignored for a long time, but he kept saying it. So eventually I started saying, don't say that word. Uh, but then he just started saying, F-sake, don't say that word. <laughs> See, they're mirroring all the time. Yes. And what it does show is this little girl is soaking up what's going on around her and interested in the actions of kids around her and, you know, playing with all of that. So... I mean, I'm positively reframing now, but there is a pro-social benefit to she's clearly able to mirror and acquire the behaviours and actions of others. So simply model stuff you do want her to mirror instead. Donald says, it's not a swear, but my toddler has started saying jolly good like an old English gent. I can't for the (laughs) life of me figure out where he heard it. I'm from Coolock. So you can imagine we don't hear people saying jolly good all that often. It's very strange. I wonder, wonder, has anyone been reading uh, The Jolly Postman? Or yeah, or maybe off TV. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of Harry Potterish. Yeah, it is actually. <laughs> uh, right. My 10 year old has decided that they are non-binary and is insistent that we address them with the proper pronouns. In theory, I have no issue with this at all, but I'm finding myself irritated and a little unsure about my daughter's decision, if I'm honest. My problem with it is that there was absolutely no indication prior to her announcement that they were uncomfortable with their gender or that they were unhappy in any major way. I'm pretty confident my daughter wasn't even aware of the whole gender identification issue until a few kids in our class started talking about it and telling her they were non-binary. I like the kid kids at this age and highly suggestible when it comes to how they interact with their peers and that my daughter may be, uh, just be taking this stance because it seems cool. How do I dissuade her from this potentially socially damaging course of action if in fact she is non-binary without making her think that I am intolerant to the whole idea should she decide later in life when she's better equipped to make a decision. Any advice, greatly appreciated. Yeah, and I mean, I'm even aware in this, the struggle for the parent to hold the they, them pronouns throughout the Mm. letter. You know, and I think this is a journey, just as it's a journey for your young person, it's a journey for parents too. And parents are allowed to stumble with this as they find their feet, you know, because it's, it's kind of uncharted territory as a parent as well. You know, it's not like, you know, you get a script when this happens in your parenting. Here's what you do and say. So, you know, be aware that some of this uncertainty and confusion is yours not theirs yeah, it's yours yeah. and and it's okay but own that as yours and your question and your wondering um because what our children need from us is to hear feel and see that we love them that we support them that we want them to be safe well kind happy and that is the best response you can give regardless of what is presented to you, that you're modelling that. You know, I would say with this situation, let them lead and that your position is, okay. this is new for me. And, you know, I'm going to apologise in advance if I get this wrong, but I am learning. And my question to you is, how can I support you with this? And just keep that open space because, you know, I always think asking casual, non-threatening questions and holding a space for change one way or the other, just holding a space for change is a healthy approach. But as I was listening to you read that out, I was also thinking, Sean, that this whole thing about what's motivating my child in this. And I wondered, okay, I wonder about that need for there to be this motivation, because in that this parent is making an inference. Okay, the inference is that your child is being motivated by their peer group. 
okay and a desire to be cool or to mm. fit in and you know what again at 10 years old those desires are absolutely within typical developmental range. Yeah. It is a priority at that stage of middle childhood to fit in with peer group, to be accepted, to be cool. So I'm not looking at that going, well, that's unusual. You know, that's quite a normal, healthy thing as well. But when you're making inference, therefore, they have decided to be non-binary because only of this. Yeah. Inferences by nature are prone to error. You know, as soon as we're inferring, we might be right and we might be wrong. So we have to hold that position of curiosity and being open to being wrong, being open to being surprised. So I think if you stay with that and talk with your young person, tell them that you are learning more, that you are also curious about this and, you know, simply invite them if they have a narrative, by the way, they may say to you, I don't know, it just is and believe that, but invite how and when they realised that this was part of their gender identity or their questioning or their exploration. You know, what was it that first made you think this? Um, don't judge whatever they say. It's, it's hard. Yes. I mean, yeah. so many of us enjoy judging, don't we? But try oh, not yeah. to judge what, what, you know, so if they say to you, oh, it's just this thing, I read it and it made sense to me. Don't go, well, that, that doesn't sound valid. You're not going to jump in with any of that. You're going to say, okay. And we're going to hold a space for questioning and exploring this. But I think no matter what our children bring to us, if what we model in response is, I want you safe, well, kind and happy, and I'm here to support you in any way that I can, that will stand to you and your young person. Mm. Uh, someone's texting to say, you're not making an inference either way. Well, we make inferences all the time. That's how we try to understand things. Mm. But And it's fine to make inferences once we don't interpret our inference as a fact. Yeah. You know, yeah. because then it, you might be right, you might be wrong. And then we learn. We're open to learning as soon as we can hold that position, regardless of the issue, by the way. Mm. Yeah, I, I suppose it's because it's a controversial issue. If yeah. the girl had come home and said she was anything else, you know, I want to dye my hair red, it wouldn't be a big deal at all. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I, but I, at the same time, this mother is worried that, you know, a notion might be in her 10 year old's head yeah. that might be just a, just a notion, but that she might, you know, want to go down the route of pursuing this notion. But and... by keeping that open space and mm. holding that space for change, you're going to allow them to explore and question. And maybe the answer they discover is, Do you know, no, actually, I'm identifying some other way. Mm. And but you've held a space for anything to emerge within that. Yeah. And I think that's the healthiest because if you come in going, I don't think so. I think this is just a phase or I think you're influenced by your group. Actually, you're shutting down discussion. Yes. Yeah. And you're shutting down yeah. exploration. Uh, the, yeah, I mean, a few kids in our class started talking about yeah. it, saying they were non-binary. That would be an unusual thing. I think if, it would be worth exploring, you know, was this part of classroom content or classroom discussion or mm. how was this coming up as well? Because, you know, again, children will talk and they'll throw things around and explore things together. And that's why I think, you know, don't don't jump in too much. Just hold a space for 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 them to to wonder about this. You know, wondering is is an indispensable life skill and yeah, you're allowed to yeah. wonder about everything in life including who you are and at 10 years old you're coming out of that kind of early childhood even mid-childhood into the preteen phase so questioning who you are how you are who you are in relation to others and the world around you is a really healthy thing to do yeah. Uh, my nine-year-old has always been a challenge. She is incredibly defiant towards us at times and always pushes boundaries. However, she's also loving, sensitive and helpful. 
We lived in England for a few years and she really struggled with the move to the UK and back to Galway. She isn't a girl who likes change. We were, we were getting good reports back from school and we thought she was really settling. However, I just got a call from her soccer trainer who said that her behaviour is not good at training or matches. And what is worse, she can sometimes be mean to some of the other kids. I am obviously devastated by this. She loves soccer, so we're also going to tell her if the behaviour continues, she won't be able to go. I want to get her to get to why she is doing this. We want to support her as much as possible so that the behaviour changes. But she can be really cheeky. We want her to keep her spirit and character, but at the same time, reduce the unkindness and defiance. Oh, there's a lot there, isn't there? Mm. I mean, she's only nine and she's moved from Galway to England and back to Galway. That's a, that's re- a, lot, that's a yeah. lot of change in nine years, you know, whenever that happened. Like, that's a big change for her. And, you know, you say a few years and I'm wondering what age she went and, you know, coming back to, to Galway because um, I'm also wondering, do, might she have an accent that just marks her mm. out as a little bit different um, from her other peer group? And are we certain she's not at the receiving end of some kind comments that then she's react and again I'm not saying therefore it's okay if she's mean to other kids but just trying to get curious about why might she be doing that and I'm also thinking she loves soccer but you're telling her if, if this doesn't stop you can't go I wonder could you reframe how you approach that with her and say we know you love soccer so we want to talk about good teamwork so that you can stay on the team yeah. Talk about it. And what do you want to see from her to stay going to the thing she loves rather than threatening to take this thing she loves away from her? Because she may respond with a fine, take it and get very defensive in response to that. Wonder what the experience of soccer and, you know, with the other kids is like for her. I don't know are they kids she's at school with or are they, you know, mm. random other kids just around. But I, these are big changes that you're talking about in a young life. So I think come at this quite gently. Now, she's nine, so you could sit with her. Okay, and if you're going to sit and talk with her because she's on, you know, because she's young, I want you to be honest, but I also want you to distract and engage her a bit while you do that. So, you know, you could be coloring together, you could be baking, you could be doing her nails, whatever works in with with her. You'll know her better, you know, whatever works with her Um, while wondering. So how are you doing? Like, what's the best thing about having moved back? What's the best thing about school? What's the best thing about soccer? What, what thing about school would you like to change? What thing about soccer would you like to change? Just get to know what her experience of her world is a mm. little bit more. You'll get a little bit more of the words. That's why I think if you're doing something at the same time, it's less intense than if we were sitting eyeballing each other and I'm saying, OK, I want to talk yeah. to you about something because everything about me then cues you. There's a problem. <laughs> when are you getting to the problem? And that's not how you want to approach this. But you could then say to her, going, I'm really glad to hear that you love your soccer. You know, I did hear a little bit of feedback about soccer that sometimes, you know, things can be said or behavior that isn't considered good team spirit or being kind towards others. And it just made me wonder if everything was OK. So I'm really glad that we could talk about it. But one of the things that we do need to have a little sit with now is how to be kind to our teammates, because if she loves soccer and is and again, I'm only inferring here, but if she loves soccer and is good at it, might she get frustrated in a competitive way? Yeah, with le- maybe. And yeah. be saying things going off oh, for goodness sake, you're not as good at this mm. or do it this way. And other kids don't like that. You know, so again, I just want to be curious, you know, stay curious with her about what is that about? Get some more details from the coach specifically. Tell me a time when you heard this so that I can adequately address it with her um, and talk to her about how kindness matters more than anything else. And then do kind things together. 
get her involved in kindness and volunteering and baking and go bring, donating them to a local charity or going around the shop together and buying a few bits and pieces that you then donate. Talk to her about donate to hostels or homeless accommodation. You know, talk to her about people who need help and support and how we can all help and support each other. Just try to instill that in a practical way rather than just verbally instructing. Be kinder. Mm. Yeah. actually do that yeah. and model that. But I think just give her a little bit of leeway because, again, I'm not sure of the timelines here of the movements. She's been through a lot. And, you know, the fact and I hear as well that you, you want to keep her spirit and her character. You know, you do admire some of these traits in her as well. So it's really about helping her to manage and to hold a boundary. What is OK and isn't OK when and where. And she's at an age when that's appropriate for you to be re-establishing those kinds of boundaries and social expectations. Yeah. She's spirited. That's the thing. But, you know, yeah, a lot of... And there's nothing wrong with being spirited. Oh, no, it's great. it's about boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My 15 year old daughter puts an enormous amount of pressure on herself to do well at school. I can't say I go out of my way to encourage this. I just want her to be happy and to do her best. But she's very smart and likes to be competitive and get the highest marks in her class. She spends hours on her homework and becomes emotional if she gets a B or less. I'm a doctor, so I worry that is at the back of her mind in that she wants to be a high achiever in her leaving cert further down the line. I don't want to tell her to relax about good grades, but I also want to convey to her that she doesn't need to put so much pressure on herself. What should I say to strike that balance? I mean, first of all, I'm wondering, is that a balance? Like, it's very hard to, I don't want to tell her to relax about good grades because I do want her to get them, but I also want her to not be under pressure to get them. Yeah. You know, that's very difficult. I'm not sure that is an attainable balance. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I would suggest you reflect to her about what you see, exactly like this parent has written it here. You know, she's, she's at an age where you can have a really open conversation with her and reflect how you see she's working really hard and how motivated she is. And you can certainly commend those traits. These are good, admirable traits. But when you're doing that, commending them, focus on the effort rather than the A's. Yes. Okay. Because to be disappointed in a B is holding yourself to impossibly high standards Mm. and certainly standards that you would have to really work at a, at a personal sacrifice level to to sustain that. Um, you want to speak to her about how you do want her to work hard and working hard is important, but not at a cost of fun, a social life, time with friends and experiencing joy in her life. So you can say, look, of course, I'm going to say to you work hard. I will always ask you to work hard and do your best. But I don't want you to hear that, that I mean work hard and so hard that you forget to have fun and hang out with friends and take Mm. downtime because you want to emphasize how taking these fun based breaks is how we assimilate learning. You know, you can study and study, but then you need to take that breathing space so that that learning can integrate and digest it. Exactly that. And so breaks aren't just, you know, a nice thing to do. They're necessary to support the level of learning and study she's doing. And, you know, again, you might want to talk about how the leaving search, you know, it's generally a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, you know? so I was just and you don't want her that, getting yeah. to the mocks and realizing I'm done. I've nothing else to give. I'm exhausted. And you want just a bit of pacing in this. So instead of balance, maybe aim for pacing. And you could help her to pace some of that. But talk to her about how the fun stuff is just as important as the results. Now, I'm mm. saying that because I really believe that. If as a parent you're listening going, I mean, that sounds nice, but actually, Joanna, the A's and the Leaving Cert is more important. Then you have to be honest 
that something in you is saying, come on, keep going, keep going, just yeah, manage it better, yeah. but keep going. You've got to believe what you're saying with this. So support her in identifying what is it that sparks joy for her and fun in her life? Yeah, because this 15-year-old can say, oh, that's all right for you to say, mom. You're a doctor. Yeah. You got you know, yeah. nine million points in your leave insert. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe that is, and, you know, explore what she wants out of this. If her, if her goal is, I want to do medicine, therefore, I know I have to work at this pace. You're again using the word pace. You're going to say, OK, so we're going to set a pace and I'm going to help you stick to that pace. But right now you're operating at breakneck speed. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think it's going to work for you long term because we're forgetting the equally important other stuff. So let's make sure that we schedule in that other stuff as well. And I'm going to help you keep pace. And that's yeah. really what it's about. It's about yeah. setting a rhythm and just getting into sync together. And look, it is, it's marvellous that she is so motivated, but don't let her burn herself out. Yeah, because I sometimes wonder about kids who do really well at the Leaving Cert and then they go to college and probably they're stuck in that habit. And yeah. then, you know, all the stuff, all the stuff that young people aren't currently enjoying in college, that, but even in a normal set of circumstances, they don't get to enjoy that because they're still in that head down. Or, or the Leaving Cert becomes the finish line and that's what it's all about. And mm. then they've no interest in what comes next. It was all yeah. about getting the straight A's, but now what? And it is, again, you need those moments of fun and joy because it helps me make a choice for what I want to study after the Leaving Cert that isn't decided by 600 points or whatever it is, but what I actually have a passion and interest in yeah. and that I want to do and pursue. Yeah. Now, I don't know if this is a parenting question or more uh, a kind of uh, relationship question. Uh, my husband recently made the mistake of throwing out my daughter's favourite toy. She's eight and it's a little doll she's had for a few years and was quite attached to. My husband wouldn't be as aware as me around what toys she likes. And I'd asked him to tidy the, the sitting room a couple of weeks ago. He found the doll at the back of the couch from uh, when my daughter last played with it and he made the mistake of throwing it in the rubbish. Now, my daughter has noticed it's missing and is devastated over the disappearance. I can't buy her the same doll because it's not on the shelves anymore. She's been moping around the house. Nothing seems to console her. And I feel mean trying to convince myself she'll get over it in time. What should I do? It's not at what should I do. It's what should we do, okay? Mm, yeah. Uh, so don't take over the kind of management of this. And first of all, you know, the doll is not missing because that would imply it's lost and could be found. Yes. The doll okay. is gone. Yeah. Okay? okay. And your daughter needs to know this because at the moment, you know, she's suspended in this state of where is it? Is it okay? It's lost. What's going to happen? Yes. And actually, we need to bring a little bit of closure to this because the reality is the doll isn't coming back. And I wonder, has dad or could dad or would dad sit with her and confess, <laughs> confess, you know, <laughs> what he's done, confess that he's made the big mistake and that Dolly got put out. I don't want to use the word thrown out or thrown away because that's quite upsetting. If yes, it, yeah. yeah. But Dolly got put out with some other things accidentally. And yes, your daughter will be upset. But you know what? She's already upset. And by at least knowing the finality of this, she will be able with your support to work through the upset. She's allowed mm. to grieve the loss of her Dolly. She's yeah, allowed to yeah. be upset. But keeping her in this suspended state of feeling anxious and wondering where Dolly is is not going in the state of missing, I mean, is not going to actually help her in the medium or long term. So I wonder, there's a couple of things you could do then. So dad sits down and he does his mea culpa and I'm so sorry and she's upset and everyone's upset and you're, you can work your way through that. He could offer a new dolly when she feels ready, but not as a replacement, but as a way of making up for yes. dolly yeah. moving on. OK, um, 
she's also eight and I'm just going to put out another alternate well not instead of but maybe as well as because some you know many eight-year-olds are still in that magical omnipotent phase of mm-hmm. play and wonderment and beautiful imaginative work and you could if, if this is your daughter you know Dolly could send a card from New Adventures saying goodbye I didn't get to say goodbye to you and um, your dad has told you he made a mistake, but I didn't get to say goodbye, but I am OK, but I won't be able to come back. But here's a new dolly to take care of you while I'm having these other adventures. And that might give her a little kind of magical place to locate dolly. Yeah. Um, oh, and gosh. also give another yeah. way. So you could it needs to be approached. And I think it's a bit like, you know, as parents, we don't want to upset our children. But also it's so difficult to say the difficult thing. Mm. So there's a bit of self-preservation and understandably an avoidance in saying, got to tell you, I threw, you know, I threw Dolly out. Mm. You know, instead, you got to sit and go, I've made a mistake. I was putting things out and. I accidentally put Dolly out too and Dolly won't be coming back. And you have to be clear because I just think this state of missing is actually prolonging the upset and anxiety. Oh, gosh. It's really sad. It is really sad. Yeah, yeah. it's really sad. Sad for her. Sad for dad when he finds out what what your answer was. Joanna, as as (laughs) ever, thanks a million. Thank Uh, you. Joanna Fortune. Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.